Thanks, Sam. Thanks, band. If you'd like to, guys, grab a seat. Um, I've already introduced myself. I'm Alan, and uh, what wasn't it great? Let's give these guys a round of applause again. It's been wonderful, wonderful to hear their stories. And uh, uh, stories, I think, for each of them growing up in a religious country, in a, a religious environment. And it's been as they have journeyed that God has revealed himself. And for these guys, it's meant coming out from the Catholic Church and joining a different church. And I know for me, as I grew up, I uh, grew up in a little village down in uh, deepest, darkest Wiltshire, my wife says that I grew up in the middle of a field. That wasn't quite true, but it was almost true. And I think for Helen, the biggest struggle that was at least 20 miles from the nearest Marks and Spencers. But we're over that now. We've moved into Sheffield. But for me, I grew up in a little Church of England primary school. We had the vicar coming every week, and he would bring his guitar, and he would sing his songs. And I thought, this isn't for me. And I, uh, as I came up through school, uh, I, had the, um, I had a time when I ended up in a boarding school just for my sixth form. And I was uh, encouraged, forced to be in chapel for 20 minutes every morning. And I was strongly encouraged uh, to be in church on a Sunday down at the local uh, parish church. And it was just cold. It left me cold. And uh, so it's not about uh, doing down the Catholic Church today. It's not even about doing down the Church of England, Baptist minister as I am. We are in an Anglican Baptist church after all. Um, but it is about coming alive and being awoken to the real presence of our Heavenly Father, the Almighty God, the creator of the heaven and heavens and earth. And it's a real beautiful, beautiful privilege. So today we're going to continue our journey through our series of exiles and ambassadors. And in the morning we're journeying through Nehemiah, a book in the Old Testament before Jesus was born. And in the evenings we continue our journey through Acts and we're back to that this evening. Um, we're going to be Nehemiah 8 uh, verses 1 to 12. You might want to turn to that. But before we do that, I want to just ask a question and uh, ask uh, just to really get us thinking before we dive into the passage. And the question that I want to ask is, have you ever had a penny-dropping moment, a moment of revelation, a moment where things that have been confusing have suddenly come into focus? You might remember back to school and you were sat in your maths class and uh, you were doing algebra and uh, there was just that moment where things clicked and it made sense. And suddenly, algebra, algebra, algebra. Or maybe you're still waiting for that moment. Who knows? Or maybe you've watched a film and uh, it's been uh, all over the place and there's lots of different characters and plot twists and everything else. And then at the last moment in the film, there's the little moment where everything makes sense. You know those penny dropping moments? Maybe, as it was for me over Christmas, um, there, uh, I heard a song and uh, it just came on the radio. It's a song that I've known for many, many years. And suddenly, for, for whatever reason, I just really heard the words of the song. And they spoke something into my heart. 
And it came alive, became real, a song that I'd known for a long time. Many of us, probably most of us here, are Christians. And maybe as I've taught and prayed today that you do remember your baptism. You remember maybe your story and leading up to the moment where you were baptized in the tank or you were confirmed. And maybe you remember that moment when Jesus became real to you. Those penny-dropping moments of revelation. And maybe you've had those occasions where you've opened the scriptures, which you've done loads of times before, but the words of the psalm or the words of Jesus suddenly leap out at you because you know that God is speaking, that these words are for me, for here, for now. And I know as somebody that stands on the stage and talks sometimes that there are moments where you sit in church And it feels like every word that the person on the stage says was designed for you. And you've even maybe gone and approached somebody like me, as that I've had on occasions where they've gone, it was brilliant, your message today was great. And then they explain what your message was, and you thought, that wasn't the message that I brought. But if that's what you heard, it's a real moment where God reveals something of himself. And if that's uh, things that maybe we can relate to, what does it look like when it's not just you, but it's the person next to you? It's your whole family. It's your whole community. What happens when there's those penny-dropping moments that sweep across an entire nation? And that's what I want you to hold in your, uh, in your mind today as we read Nehemiah 8, verses 1 to 12. Should appear on the screen behind me. Here we go. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on the right stood some men. (laughs) And on his left were some other men. Just skip over that bit. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Do not mourn or weep for the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this day is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. So we've got this great gathering inside the city walls of Jerusalem. Ezra, who is a priest, he's a leader amongst the community. He had been called 14 years previously to come to the great city of Jerusalem to build the temple of the Lord. He'd been sent by the conquering king, an oppressed people as they were now that had carried them into exile, and he'd been sent to go to rebuild the temple, to offer sacrifices prescribed in the law so that the curses and uh, wouldn't fall on him and his sons. Instead, that he might be blessed by this foreign God, foreign to him. So 14 years ago, Ezra had turned up and rebuilt the temple. And as we've journeyed through Nehemiah, we know that Nehemiah is sent from the king's court And he goes down to the city of Jerusalem, tasked with the job of rebuilding the walls. And they faced lots of opposition, yes. But in 52 days, they'd managed to reconstruct the walls. So now we have the temple on its mount. We have the walls constructed. And as we heard last week from Tom, they didn't stop there. They hung the gates in place. Not only did they hang the gates in place, but they appointed gatekeepers that would open the gates at only a prescripted time. They had watchmen on the walls. And not only that, they began to put together the, uh, the structures of government, the civic structures for the city. They took a great offering so that these things might be paid for. And we heard last week that the city walls built, temple built empty that Nehemiah had began to call those that had a right to be there into the city to repopulate and so the city is coming together it's a great time and then after uh, they'd begun to repopulate the city there were those that stayed and then everybody else went back to the towns and their farms back out into uh, the land around Jerusalem until we get to this moment in the life of this new people, the exiled people that were returning to the land. Now, it's no mistake that this takes place on the, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, the first day of the, of the seventh day. My wife is born in July. She thinks that July is a special month. The seventh month, seven in the Bible, is a special number. It is the number of perfection. It is an awesome time in the life of the Israelites. So on the first day, the people would gather. So Ezra hasn't had to call them together. They have gathered from out in the sticks, and they have all come to the city of Jerusalem. They've gathered not in the temple courts, but they've gathered in the square outside the water gate. This first day of the seventh month marked the Feast of Trumpets. And we think of uh, maybe Duncan Vaughan or other trumpet players that we have uh, in the church family taking out their brass instruments and striking up a tune, a bit of jazz or who knows what. 
But the word that's used here in the Hebrew is the same word, shofar, for the ram's horn that was blown at the foot of Mount Sinai all those years ago when Moses, the great prophet, had led the Israelite nation out from Egypt, crossed the rivers, uh, crossed the Dead Sea, and led them into the desert. It was at the foot of Mount Sinai where God spoke to Moses and said, prepare the people for three days because on the third day they will hear the sound of the ram's horn and they will be invited to come up and stand in the very presence of God. This is the feast of trumpets. And it was at Mount Sinai that the law was given, that the Ten Commandments were brought down on on tablets of stone. And it was a few days later when Moses took uh, 70, the 72 elders up the mountainside and they made a covenant with God where they became God's special people, blessed to bring a blessing as the Lord had promised Abraham all those years before. So this is a moment for the nation that is incredibly significant. And if that were not enough, this was the start of the seventh day, the seventh month, the first day. On the tenth day, it would be the t- it would be the day of atonement. This was the moment in the yearly calendar of the Israelites where they would come before uh, come to the temple and that they would make atonement for their sin and their wrongdoing for the whole year. They would be put right with God. And if that were not enough. Then on the 15th day of the month, kicked off the biggest party of the year. And for seven days, they would go out and they would sleep in tents and they would sing and they would worship and they would feast. It sounds a lot like uh, Glastonbury, but probably without the drugs. But seven days, they would live in temporary shelters, in tents, under branches, remembering that when they first came out of Egypt... They lived in temporary accommodation. They lived in tents and they followed the tabernacle around in the desert with the very presence of God amongst them as a community. It's a huge time. And so as they blow the trumpets, as they gather together, they're remembering the stories. What's brought out as the book of the law of Moses is the first five books of our Bible. They're reading the stories of Abraham. They're reading the stories of Isaac, of Jacob. They're reading the stories of Moses. They're remembering that time at the foot of Sinai and the journey through the desert to the edge of the promised land. And as they do that, they're reminded about who they are, called, set apart for God. They're reminded through the giving of the law that they were to be set apart. That their lives and their communities were to be shaped and reflect something of the love and the justice and beauty of their creator. And as they hear these stories, as they're reminded who they are and what they were supposed to do, the purpose for which God called them, the whole community weeps there's that penny dropping moment there's the moment of revelation the whole crowd all of those assembled weep
How far have we fallen? How far have we failed? Ezra, Nehemiah, the Levites, they call out to the crowd, don't weep, stop weeping, stop, stop. We can see that something's going on here, but just just stop. This is a moment of celebration. This is the moment where God poured out his grace on us, where he chose us. This isn't a moment for weeping. This is a moment for celebration. And so they uh, tell the people, go, go on, go on, prepare a feast. And if people haven't prepared a feast, well, include them in your feast. Send food to them. This is a time to celebrate who we are. And the purpose for which God has called us. The Day of Atonement is coming. We will, we will weep and wail and we will uh, consider where we've fallen short. But we've got 10 days before that, guys. Come on. This is a time for celebration. Penny dropping moment where the Lord's presence is rich and thick amongst the community. And we know, and we'll track through over the next couple of weeks, we'll see some of the other things that happens just as God brings renewal, just as his presence begins to fall, as he begins to form this nation again. But as I read this and as I considered uh, the story and the passage, I thought to myself, why this year? Why this moment? You see, Ezra turned up 14 years ago. And set up the workings of the temple. They've been offering sacrifices and they've been doing the feast for 14 years. So why now? Why this moment? Is it because they've got a new wall? Lord, are you calling us to build a wall? Is it because there's a new leader, a new guy in town, Nehemiah's turned up? Is it because they've faced opposition and they've pushed through and there's been this great victory? And there's just a renewed sense of expectation, a buzz about the place, a real sense of hope. Is it because they've gathered in the public space where everybody could come and hear, not just the men, but the women too, and everybody else that could understand? The kids would have been there, any foreigners amongst them, they would have all been able to hear the reading of the law. Was it the public reading of the scriptures? Was it because the the place, the square that they stood in was in front of the water gate? And we know in the scriptures that water is often the symbol for the spirit of God. The life-giving presence of our Lord. Is it a moment in their history when the word of God and the spirit of God come together? And it cuts to the heart and the very core of those that were listening. I don't know. So what about us? Last week, as Tom spoke, he spoke about the patterns and establishing patterns in our lives. Getting up an early morning quiet time, plugging in and committing to our community. And uh, Ella, I think her testimony, beautiful. Yeah, I can't do this on our own. Is it about committing and coming back to church and getting all of those things in place? All of them really great for our relationship. And maybe you heard that last week and you've run off and thought, yep, this is the year when I'm going to get reading the Bible every day sorted. And you've uh, tuned into Nicky Gumbel on his Bible in one year and, and you've set off and you've done a few days, you maybe missed one and you've caught up over the weekend. Maybe you've put those things in place. Maybe all of those things have been in place for a long time. Been going along to small group, 
You've been coming along to church. You've been reading your Bible. Maybe for 14 years, maybe longer, that that's been part of your journey. You've had the religious structures in place. They're great. They hold you through the tough times. But just as this was a moment in the life of the Israelites, which was the beginnings, the the opening up of the moment where God was going to renew his people. And as we press out to plant churches, as we gather even in these COVID times with masks on our face, there is a sense, there is a buzz, that there is an expectation that God is on the move. And if that's just me eating too much cheese, then we launched the Nehemiah Fund. And the biggest collection was taken that I can certainly remember, and I've been here for a long time. God is on the move. He's doing something. And just as we come into land, whether you are wrestling to get those uh, patterns established in your own life, whether they've been established for a long time, I believe that God is calling us just to wait on him. To listen out for that still, small voice. Jesus says, doesn't he, that those who seek will find me. And what I loved from all of the stories today, all of their journeys from a place where actually that they were they were encouraged compelled fearful that they needed to do this to ensure that their family wouldn't be cross and upset with them but each of them made their journey encountered the spirit of the living god had their lives turned upside down changed and transformed 